0: In this house, Jesus, you're worthy, Lord God, worthy, Lord, worthy, your name is great and greatly to be praised. Great and greatly to be praised are you, Jesus. We bless your name. Bless you. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you. Bless you. Boy, when you're worshiping God, you don't want to stop sometimes, do you? Let's don't stop for just a second. We just bless you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, we welcome your presence in this house tonight. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Come, take up your place here. Take up your place, Lord Jesus, of honor, of exaltation. We just worship you. We bless you. We honor you. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are worthy. You're the only one worthy, Jesus. And we bless you tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless his name. Hallelujah. Well, if you would, I'd like to ask you right now to turn to those on either side of you and behind you and shake hands with them and just tell them that you love them, will you? If you would, I'd like to invite you to make your way back towards your seat and to go ahead and be seated. We'd like to greet you right now if you're a guest here at Redemption Church, and if this is your first time here, we'd like to ask you to raise your hand. We want to get a record of your visit. Any guests this evening? We're really glad that you're here, and we want to get a packet to you, and it has a place for you to give us some information about you, and you can... Find out a little bit about us in that packet, and if you would, please fill that out, and we'll take it up in just a moment after we receive the evening offering. And we, as we said a moment ago, we're really glad you're here in congregation right now. I'd like to ask you to put your hands together and make our guests feel especially welcome this evening. And this is our church home, and we're glad you're with us in our home tonight. And we really think God has something special for you. And something special for everyone here, but especially for our guests. We just ask that the Holy Spirit touch them tonight and minister to them. And uh, ushers, if you would, I'd like to ask you to come forward and we'll receive the evening offering. In the book of Malachi, Scripture promises that if we'll do something, that God will do something. He says that if we'll give our tithe, or the tenth, that God will open the windows of heaven. And that's, not, uh, that's a pretty good promise. It's not somebody down at Sun Trust opening the windows of heaven or Merrill Lynch, but that's Jehovah Jireh himself. Amen. Woo! Now you give him, you give him 10%, and you've got the creator of heaven and earth as your partner. Boy, wow, how could you not get in on something like that? And this is also a time that we sow our seed. We believe that the God, the Scripture tells us uh, some things about it, and we believe that is true. And that is that there's a time for sowing and a time for reaping. And if you want to reap a harvest, you've got to put a seed in the ground. And that seed, that offering is above your tithe. And as we've been taught here in this church, been taught well, and that is that if you have a special need, you put a special seed in the ground and God will meet you there and it's a it's a place of contact it's a place to release your faith so this evening if there's something in your life uh, that you need from heaven you need a breakthrough maybe you have a challenge in a relationship yeah we pray for sure and believe that God will will answer our prayer but sometimes we need a breakthrough and that seed is how that breakthrough can get to you amen let's pray together Heavenly Father we just thank you this evening For an opportunity to give our tithes to the head of the church, to the Father God, and to have the Holy Spirit breathe life into our tithe and into our seed. And just like a, a seed going in the ground that a farmer would plant, we believe that when this seed goes in, that life is going to spring up. And we thank you for it as we sow in faith. Alton, thank you. And uh, now we'd like to receive our cards back from our guests. If you would, just hold them up there. Someone's going to come by and pick them up. Just hold them up there. We'll come by and get them. There you go. we got one right over here. And again, we're glad that you're here, and we do believe that God has something very special for you this
1: evening. just been a spirit of worship in here tonight, don't you think? Praise the Lord. You're just in the middle of it, weren't you, John? Let's stand back up and just worship him. Just, if you will, Alton, just keep playing that song there for just a moment. I know y'all probably got your... Everything off here. Lift up your hands and let's just worship the Lord. Father, we praise you and we honor you tonight. We thank you for your holy presence in this place. Blessed be your name, Lord God. Blessed be your name in the midst of difficulties. Blessed be your name when we're on the mountaintop. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah praise you lord we bless and honor you tonight and we exalt you and we worship you lord we're not just talking about having a worship service we worship you when we come into your house and into your presence you are so good lord i thank you that you are a refuge in a time of trouble i thank you lord that you are a place that we can come we can run into the safe place hallelujah thank you lord that you are our strength when we are weak we thank you lord you're our health and our healing when we are sick we thank you lord we praise and honor you blessed be your name just lift up your hands and praise him tonight Lord, we do not grow weary or faint of worshiping you and praising you. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name, Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Lord, tonight refresh us. Refresh us as your people, Lord. Refresh the weary, Lord. You said they that wait upon the Lord shall renew. Their strength, and we thank you for strength tonight, energizing power from the Holy Spirit here tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Amen. He is so precious. And the Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. In other words, He comes down to where we are. We know He lives in us. But the presence of the Lord, there are times that He comes down among His people. And when He comes down, His presence comes down. I can tell you, the things of life will begin to just level out. Begin to level out His presence. When His presence comes, the holiness, the righteousness... The wisdom, the power, and the strength comes. Hallelujah. We need to be worshipers. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Blessed be your name, O Lord. Blessed be your name, O Lord. Just worship him with your song. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Blessed be your name, O God. Blessed be your name, O God. Lift up your song to the Lord. We worship you, Lord, we worship you, Lord. Be glorified, O God, be glorified, O God. Be glorified, O God, be glorified. glorified. Lord, in your presence is fullness of joy. Let the fullness of your spirit fill us to overflowing, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We honor you tonight, Lord. We honor you. We thank you for your presence. Lord, we do not take it for granted, your sweet, precious Presence that's here tonight, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Why don't you hug a few people and just share the love of Jesus right now? Thank you, Lord. You can be seated now for those who didn't know it eddie's back from india tonight it's a, about seven o'clock so i haven't seen him but it, I'm, if everything went okay with this flight, so he'll be here Sunday morning, you be here, call your friends, tell them to be here. I'm sure he'll have some wonderful things to tell us about what went on. And you all are a very important part of those travels. And so we want you to know that. and We want you to hear the good things that have taken place. Amen. And tonight I'm going to um, continue on talking about our leadership um, messages that we've been talking about. We're in a series about eight uh, qualities of successful leaders. And so tonight, I'm going to talk to you about two of them, faith and a positive outlook. Every leader needs to have faith to face what they have to face and to do what they have to do and a positive outlook on life and a positive outlook on whatever that they're involved in and whatever they're doing. So we're going to talk about that, but let's pray first. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we open your word tonight, and we ask that you would teach us. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher of the church, and you are here and present. Speak to each and every person that opens their heart and their mind to you tonight, and we do that on purpose. And Lord, I receive Uh, just divinely granted utterance in the Holy Spirit to speak what the Spirit says tonight. And Lord, anoint me for that with a fresh word from your hand, Lord, and I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, again, we're going to be talking about faith and a positive outlook, two qualities that every leader needs to have. Leadership is so important. And I know that you probably realize that, but I'm going to say it anyway. Leadership is so vital to the body of Christ and to the world at large. People are looking for leaders who are strong leaders, who have good character, good qualities, uh, that uh, are honest people, fair people and can take them where they need to go. Can take a church where it needs to go. Can take a business where it needs to go. Can take a family where it needs to go. Whatever the case may be, wherever leadership uh, uh, is needed, you know, that's uh, the God kind of leadership. He wants us to take it further and go on and accomplish some things. You know, uh, as a, a leader, you can't be passive. I know that that should be obvious. You can't be passive. You've got to be full of faith and full of zeal uh, for whatever you're involved in. And here we're going to talk about the church and work in the church mainly here because that's where we are tonight. So we choose to have and release faith or we choose doubt and unbelief. That's up to us. We choose it. Faith comes. Isn't that what the Bible says? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. So tonight, faith is going to come to you. When you read your Bible, faith is going to come to you. When you uh, listen to a CD or a tape, whatever you do, faith is going to come to you. When you speak the Word out of your mouth, faith is going to come to you. So it's up to you to do something with that faith when it comes. It can just fall to the ground. And you can operate and continue in doubt and unbelief, which is what the world does. Or, and a lot of the church too, it's not just the world, but a lot of the church who are supposed to be believers may believe in Jesus Christ, but they don't believe in much else. But God's got so many things that He has said in His Word. And if we look at it and believe it, we can have it. Look at it, believe it, act on it, and it's ours. So we, we have a choice. Faith will come. Will we believe when faith comes? Or will we doubt and not believe? It's up to us to make that choice. God does not force faith on anybody. I know lots of Christians who are unbelievers when it comes to anything except salvation. If you tell them that God wants to heal your body or God wants to provide for you, be Jehovah-Jireh, then they do not believe that. There's doubt and unbelief. But see, faith came, they hear the truth, and then if they appropriate it and they act on it, then it becomes theirs. Faith comes, but what will we do with that faith when it comes? We will either believe or we will doubt. But we're not doubters, are we? So we know that faith comes to us. By hearing the word of God. That's that's the basis. Faith does not come through what someone else says to you if it's contrary to the Bible or has nothing to do with the truth of the Bible. That's not when faith comes. Faith doesn't come when you, you know, just uh, build yourself up on, you know, uh, read a good book or something like that, you know, and think you're going to financially, you know, just, Take over the world or whatever. You're going to be a millionaire tomorrow. Faith doesn't come then. Faith comes when you look at God's Word and see the principles that are in the Bible. That's when faith comes. That's real faith. You see, they're, they're counterfeits. They make you think they're faith, but they're not faith. True faith comes through hearing the Word of God. Amen. And when faith does come, we at that point in time make a determination. Either we will believe or we won't. Now, if you're passive, guess what? You choose not to believe. You have to be proactive if you're going to receive faith. Amen? So if you just think, well, I didn't disbelieve. No, if you didn't act upon it, if you didn't accept it actively, then it's unbelief. Because you just let it lay there and do nothing, fall to the ground, amen? Now, I want you to take your Bibles, and I want you to turn to Numbers 13. Now, this is a chapter that many people know. I I love this chapter in Numbers 13. And the story is, is it starts out... God spoke to the children of Israel in Numbers 13. And God spoke to them and he said, I have given you a land for you to possess. It belongs to you. He didn't say, I'm going to. He said, I'm giving it. I've given it to you. It's your possession. Now, see, that's the way God sees things. See, we see out there in the future, but God said, it's yours now. Now. Did they have it? No, and they had to go through some obstacles to get it, but nonetheless, God had spoken, faith came, and it belonged to them. And I'm going to tell you, as a leader, you've got to believe. You've got to be a believer so that you can impart into the people that work with you on your team the same kind of faith. If you've got a bunch of people doing the Lord's work and there's no faith in their hearts, it's just a bunch of labor. That's all it is. There's got to be faith to believe God to make some changes, to do some things. Why do we, all the ushers that are here and the parking lot attendants and the people who work in the nursery and all the, the people who work in the bookstore and do all the things, the caregivers, everything that we do in the church, why do you do it? Not just so you can have something to do, but so you can see changed lives. And that's what the God kind of leadership is all about. And you must have faith to make changes. You have to have faith when you just week after week after week continue to do things and you might not see differences. You've got to believe that God is in there working for you. God is working in the lives of people changing lives. People are being born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. Lives are being restored. Marriages are being put back together. Rebellious children are coming to God. You've got to see that because if you start seeing that you're not going to get any results and that's the way you believe, then that's exactly what you're going to have. See, you've got to have a... Positive. Remember, that's one of the qualities. You've got to have a positive outlook. See, some people, all they do can is, is see negative. Well, we have this wonderful opportunity to do thus and so. Yeah, but. That's kind of the way these people that we're going to read about here in just a minute. That's the way they were. See, some people have such a negative outlook that when... An opportunity is given as a leader instead of seeing the potential and and the blessings that can be there for a lot of people. They begin to look at the hindrances and the mountains and the obstacles and everything that lays in the way. Well, let me tell you. Am I saying overlook those things? No, you don't overlook them. But you don't look to that. You look to God's Word. You look... Uh, To being positive about what God has called you to do And what He's placed in your hand And He's anointed you and He's enabled you And you're well able to do it That's what you look at Amen? So in Numbers, you know, God's given them the land, and now they've got it. He said, I want you to go in there, and I want you to spy out the land. Now, if you look at that, it tells you in in the beginning of chapter number 13, it tells you all of these uh, men that are from certain tribes. And there are 12 spies that are uh, associated with this story that we're going to read about, 12 of them. Now, I want us to look... um, At verse number 26 and 27. um, And we're going to read this. But you know that Joshua and Caleb were part of the 12 spies. Okay? Now listen to this. Verse number 26. And they went and came to Moses and Aaron... Well, let's read 25 first. And they return from searching of the land after 40 days. Now, I'm going to tell you, 40 days in the Bible really means something. And it's a number that really means something. 40 is the time of testing. They went into the promised land for 40 days. There was a test going on. God was testing them. You know, if you go to school and you study and you come down to the end of the term, and then what happens? You get a test. Well, they went into the land, and they were uh, going through school, if you will. And they came down to 40 days, and they went through a testing time, okay? And they went and came to Moses and Aaron. That was their leaders. They were leaders also. Leaders went to their leaders. And to all the congregation of the children of Israel, unto the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them, and unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. Now they showed them the fruit, and it was gigantic, and it was luscious. It was wonderful. They were bringing back the fruit of the land that God had given to them. And everybody was oohing and awing at what was going on here. How wonderful it was. And they told him and said, We came into the land whether you sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. This is the confirmation of what God has said. It's confirmed. Here it is. We're bringing it back to show you. But now I want you to look at what they say. Nevertheless, now who are the ten that told him that were telling Moses about the fruit? And then continue. They were the ten spies that were in doubt and unbelief, and the Bible says brought back an evil report. See, doubt is evil. We do not, we do not really estimate, make a sober estimation, if you will of the, the, what uh, doubt and unbelief is really like in the sight of God's eyes. It is evil. It says it on down here in this verse. I'm skipping right ahead. And they brought up an evil report. It was a report of doubt. God said, you can. They said, you can't. He said, it's positively yours. They said, negatively, it cannot be. You see, what God was saying, they were countering everything. They were in doubt. And see, as leaders, we've got to be full of faith and have a positive outlook on what God has told us. God has told us to make disciples. God has told us to go into all the world and make those disciples. Here and there, wherever it leads us to. He has told us to win souls. He's told us to win people to Jesus Christ. And so when he says we can do it, and I know churches that don't have people save one person in a year. You know what? If we believe God will send the people in those services that need to get born again. But there's got to be faith alive. There's got to be faith and no doubting. And there's got to be a positive outlook on what God has said. And not just Everything God says, yeah, but. Nevertheless, I know it, but nevertheless. See, we just neutralize faith at that point in time. But he says, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are wild and very great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, which is the giants, and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and all those people. The Ites were there. And so it's the same way for us, folks. When we do what God has called us to, to do as leaders in the body of Christ, in whatever capacity that is, then we're going to run into the Amorites, the Hittites. They just got different faces and different names. That is all. It's the same thing that we face today, it's just got a different face. And it's never been any different, and it never will be any different. Obstacles are in the way. Challenges stand between us and God if we allow them to. But you know what I like to see? I like to see God in the middle. I like to see us, God, and the mountain. God is there, and we're able to get there. But see, what we want to do is put the mountain in the middle and put God on the other side. And here we are with the mountain and God. And God said, I'm in the middle of it. I've given you that mountain. I've given you that place. You just hold my hand and I'll take you over it. I'll take you through it. I'll knock it down. I'll do whatever I have to. Amen? And God can. Amen? So as you read in verse number 26 and 27, you see there... That they admit that God's promises were true. What God had told them, it was true. They admitted that, but went on to say, nevertheless. See, that we need to take certain words out of our vocabulary, and I've really tried to work on this. You know, when I hear something and I know that, you know, we need to look another way at it, instead of saying, but nevertheless, I'm, I've started saying, and we need to think of this, and we need to think of that. Why? Because I want faith-filled words, and I don't want to discourage myself and discourage other people. And see, I understand you have to look at issues. You See, a good leader does not overlook things. You just go beyond them. You look at God. Look at... Jesus, the author, the finisher, the developer of your faith. Look at him, and he'll take you through. Amen? Okay. So they admitted that there were good things there, but they still took the negative approach, had a negative outlook. Amen? And then plus, they said, nevertheless... And then they went on to say, Moreover. In other words, yeah, but that's exactly what they were saying. Plus, we saw the giants. It was all the other stuff plus the giants. All they could see was problems, hindrances. That's all they could see. They could not see the promises. And we've got to see the promises. Do you know how you see the promise? You don't see it with your natural eye. You see it with the eye of faith. See, in your spirit, man, there is, a, uh, there is spiritual vision. And spiritual vision helps you see what other people cannot see. You take, t- you take two people, one full of faith and one that's a doubt and unbeliever. And you tell them to look at something and what they'll come back and report to you is just like these people here. Jo- Joshua and Caleb brought back a good report. We can do it. God's given it to us. Let's go get it. And what did the other ten know? I know it's there. We saw it with our own eyes, but we cannot do that. We cannot do that. See, that'll, that'll kill leadership right there. You get, you get the plan of God and then you go with it. Amen. So we have to ha- have the eye of faith. Now let's look at verse number 30, and as we look here, it says, "And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, "Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it." Now I want us to look here just a minute. Caleb told the people. He said, "Be quiet." You remember another time in the Bible where they were told to shut up and march? You remember that when they were going to take Jericho? Why? Because they were going to mess up the plan of God if they didn't close their mouth. Do you know as leaders we can mess up the plan of God if we do not close our mouth? At certain times when we want to start speaking contrary, you know, talking about the obstacles, talking about uh, the people that we can't get to do what we need them to do, talk about attitudes and all of that. I tell you, I talk to God a lot about it. But I'm not, I, I try not to talk to other people about it because it will neutralize faith. And Caleb knew that. And Caleb said, be quiet, hush your mouth. My grandmother used to tell me that, you know, when all the grandkids, she had so many grandkids, you know, and we'd get in in her house or out in the yard, and we'd just be making so much noise, making a ruckus, and she'd say, hush, and I'm sure that's what Caleb did, hush, just be quiet. He stilled them. He tried to say, look. You're going the wrong way. You've got the wrong outlook on this. Be quiet and listen to me. Let's go up right now and do what we've got to do at once. Why did he say at once? Because I'm going to tell you, a lot of times in leadership and the team that works with leaders, you can procrastinate, you can put things off. Oh, tomorrow we'll do it. You know? But he said, let's go right now and take care of this. And don't give yourself more time to get in doubt and unbelief. Let's go up at once. Now, you know, we're not talking about being hasty because the Bible has something to say, you know, about being hasty, making hasty decisions. That's not wisdom. So we're not talking about that, but we're talking about when the plan of God is there, you don't have to, uh, you know, take 30 days of prayer and fasting. You can go get it. Do your prayer and fasting before it's time. And then when the time gets here, then you're ready for it. See, we, I like because we're pray, praying and fasting in January. We're getting ready for the rest of this year. We're preparing for what God has. And so many people right now are praying and fasting and preparing for what God has for us. Amen? And I tell you, fasting will allow faith to come alive in your heart, it really will. Because it it gets your mind and attention off of the everyday things of life and centered in on what's the important things. Amen? And so Caleb told the people to be quiet and don't keep thinking about how you can't, but think about how we can. And that's what I want you to think about. And he said, for we are well able to overcome. See, overcome denotes victory. We're well able to conquer those giants. We're well able. God has equipped us with what we need. And he's not talking about physical prowess. He's not talking about physical strength. He's talking about the spiritual. He's talking about the ability to overcome through fear. We can overcome anything through faith. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. The world in which way? The world's system, the world's way of thinking, the world's way of doing things, the world's way of handling things. However they handle it, if you do it through faith, you will overcome. And you will come out. And, and they can all be standing around you. No, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. You remember how Eddie and I shared with you when we started this church and we had so many people telling us, don't do it, don't do it. We've got too many churches in Knoxville. Don't do it, don't do it. it you know, you don't need to do that. Don't go do something else, you know. And we just said, we're well able to overcome. Just be still because we're going up at once you know because we'd already heard from God we weren't trying to you know not get counsel we did all that before but when we knew what we knew we weren't going to allow the doubt and unbelievers to stop us amen all right so let's look at verse number 31 and 2 here but the men that went up with him see but the men nevertheless moreover but the men That went up with them said, Now listen to what they said. Now you know this principle, but you can have what you say. See, there was not faith. They they were speaking what they had in their heart. Doubt, not belief. And that but the men that went up with them said, We be not able to go up against these people, for they are stronger than we are. Look, if you want to talk about People being stronger, smarter. You know, lots of times we as Christians, we are up against those kind of situations where people might be stronger. They might be smarter. They might, you know, have more influence or whatever the case. That's not the point. You don't put faith in them and faith in that, in the negative. You put faith in God. And you might be weaker. And people might look at you and say, how do you do it? It's God, but God. And see, that that's what you have to believe. We would ne- have never done what we've done here. If we, because, you know, you look at it, and, you know, of course, we have always trained ourselves. You know, and we've studied and gone to conferences, gone to school, done a lot of things, you know. But if you're talking about just, you know, who knows the you know, the, the cutting edge thing in the church. Well, I'd have to say, well, you know, I try to stay up, but there's a lot of things I don't know. But that's not what puts us over, and that's not what we're depending on. Now, there's nothing wrong with educating yourself and learning things. I'm not talking about that. But you see, if I was just looking at that, I'd quit tomorrow. Because I'd say somebody else there, out there, can, you know, they might be sharper than I am. But that's not the point. And it's not the point with you. If God puts his hand on you, you are well able to do what you've been called to do, or what you are facing, you can overcome it. You are well able. All right? And they brought up an evil report of the Lamb, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land... Through which we have gone to search is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. Now see here again looking to the wrong things. Their negativity... And their unbelief is based on what they see. Not what God has said. Not what God has said belongs to them. But it's everything. Sense knowledge. Sense ruled. See, you cannot be a person of faith if all you do is look at what, you know, just look at what you see with your natural ears, what you, or your eyes, and what you hear, what you can touch... If that's the way you live, you cannot be a person of faith. Faith sees the invisible. That's why I was talking about an eye of faith. It sees into the invisible realm where people cannot see. But you go into that realm through faith and get a hold of it through acting on what you've seen and pull it back out into your world. Amen? All right. Now, anything you do or go after will have hindrances and people who discourage you. And that's really the truth. And you just got to know that. And if every time you run into an obstacle, you're a little crybaby. And every time somebody withstands you, you're a little crybaby. Now, do we like it? No, I do not like it. But I tell you, there's something about me. Uh, and, And what God puts in me, and it's in you too if you'll allow it to be there That, you know, somebody will do that to me And maybe for a minute I might get a little discouraged But I'm not staying there very long Because what that will do, it will give me more energy to say God says I can overcome, I am well able to overcome And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me Great people who do great things. You know, we, we look, if, if we could be personally associated with them, we would probably be surprised to find out how normal they are. Have you ever known someone, uh, you know, that was in some position, higher position, and you, you get to know them, and it's like, well, they're just like me. You know, they're just normal people. And see, we we want to believe, put people up on a pedestal when everybody has to get to where they're going the same way. And faith will put you over. Amen? Praise God. Now, God calls their assessment of the situation evil. When they come back and what they were telling everybody, he said, that is evil. And we don't need to be giving evil reports. Evil means unbelieving reports. Amen. Not only do they give an evil report, but they exaggerate. They instill fear in the people. You see, what we do and say as leaders multiplies in people, and through the exaggeration of the negative, it plays something in those people. And if you read in the uh, the next chapter here it it really hindered the the potential that God had placed in them in, in chapter number 14, 1 through 2 and 3 in there. It hindered the potential that God had placed in them because they listened to the evil report. So see, not only does our unbelieving leadership and our you know, wrong outlook affect us and what we do. But it affects other people. And it's contagious. When you're negative, it's contagious. Well, did you see so-and-so? Can you believe that? Uh, no, I can't believe that. And what about, and here we go, and just, you know, it just spreads. And that that's evil. Now, so we see here... uh, Let's just read in 14, verse number 1. The congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Now see, they should have been having a party, and they should have been rejoicing. But instead of that, they were all crying, having a pity party. Oh, woe is me. And all the children of Israel, what did they do? Say it out loud. You see, the evil report, the doubt... And unbelief and the negative outlook brought murmuring among the whole congregation of people. Now you know what murmuring is—grumbling and complaining, finding fault. And see, I'm going to tell you—they got in a lot of trouble. And if you read on over here, you see how much trouble they got in because they murmured. You see, and and, and it was secondhand offense. It wasn't even... They didn't go into the land. God had given the promises. They were probably, you know, wherever they were, uh, uh, you know, waiting for that good report to come back and, yeah, we're going to get a new land to live in. We're going to have new homes and we're going to have an abundance. You saw, you know, the grapes and all the things that they... the fruit that they brought. And we're going to... It's going to be wonderful. But instead of that... They listened to the the ten spies instead of listening to Caleb and Joshua who said, we can do it. They listened to the ten who said, there's no way. We're like grasshoppers. You know, they had a really poor self-image, didn't they? We're just like grasshoppers. Don't see yourself as a grasshopper. See yourself... As a child of God. See yourself as a king and a priest under your God. You see, we've got to see ourselves the way God sees us. Many times we limp through life. We know the Lord. But our self-image is so poor... And God doesn't want us living that way. We're not supposed to be puffed up with pride, but neither are we to look, you know, to look upon ourselves as the scum of the earth either. Jesus paid an awesome price to buy us and we are God's children. And we we are something. We are somebody. We are somebody. If Jesus would die for us, we must be pretty special, don't you think? See, what we want to do, though, is we want to look at all of our shortcomings, and the devil wants to make sure that we do that. But God doesn't want us look into those things. He wants us look into Him, and He'll help us come out of those things and change. And change from glory to glory to glory. What we're like today, the habits and the things that we have in our life. When we get one year from today, if we're serving the Lord. If we're walking by faith and have the right outlook on life. We're going to be changed from that person from one year. And then we get a year out, then we're going to be changed again. Then one more year out. You see, isn't that the wonderful thing about God? We, we change in a good way. You know, whether you like it or not, those years go by and you're getting older. You know, all you have to do, I look in the mirror. I use one of those when I put my makeup on. I use one of those five times mirrors. And sometimes I forget I don't look quite that bad. (laughs) You know, because it shows up everything. We don't need to be looking in the five times mirror at (laughs) ourselves. Spiritually speaking, you understand what I'm saying. We need to let Jesus clean us up, wash us up. How does He clean and wash us? He says, You, in John 15, He said, You are clean through the Word. So if you want to get that junk out of your life, get in the Bible. Because when you get in there, you see yourself. It is a mirror, and you begin to, oh, I'm not supposed to do that. Oh, and I need to do this, and I need to talk like this, and I need to walk like this, I need to act like this, and I need to treat people like that. You begin to see it. And you begin to see yourself in that mirror, and if it's a five-times mirror, it's good what you see. You begin to change. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Um. let's see where I want to go here. Okay, they begin to murmur and I interrupt myself so much I have to look and see where I need to be. But they begin to murmur and they begin to complain. And God gets really upset with them. And that tells us something right there, that God does not like complaining and murmuring and going on. And how many of you know we all do it from time to time? But it got these people in serious trouble. It got them into so much trouble that God said, okay, what you've spoken in my ear, that's what I'm going to do to you. You've said we're going to get out here, we're going to die, we're not going to make it. He said, okay, that's what you say, that's what you can have, it's yours. But now all the children, all the, the people, you know, I think it was 21 and under, they got to go into the promised land. But all those people who got up because of 10 spies or leaders and listened to the evil report, and they were destroyed in the wilderness. They never got their inheritance. You see, the whole thing was about inheritance. God had an inheritance for his people, but they could never have it. Folks, get a clue. We've got an inheritance. God... God has given us a a plan right here the New Testament it is a plan for us and it reveals our inheritance but if you do not believe it and you look at it in an oh I know it says that but I can't really have that if that's the kind of Outlook that you have on things you're not going to get it You're you're going to have exactly what you said just like the children of Israel got exactly what they said That is such a powerful truth and this is not just a little story This is the truth And so the murmuring and complaining all stem from doubt unbelief and a negative outlook And it got them in serious trouble amen Now, Joshua and Caleb, on the other hand, were men of faith. We can do it. It's ours. You know that we read in the Bible and Caleb said, I want that mountain. It took him a while to get it because he had to put up with those people that stood in the way. But finally, they were out of the way and Caleb got his mountain. And you know, the Bible says that Caleb, if you read about in the next chapter, 15, I think... And the Bible says that Caleb was a man. Listen to this, of another spirit. What is that other spirit? The other, uh, another spirit is the spirit of faith. That's what he had. He was caught up in a spirit of faith, believing God, trusting God. He was a leader that believed with all of his heart, and he got what he believed for. It reminds me of Abraham because Abraham was a man that pleased God and he walked by faith. And he did not look at the things that were. He looked at God's promises because he didn't have a son. He wanted children. And God said, I I have given you the children. As the stars of the skies, the sand of the sea, it's yours. And you know what? The Bible says he did not stagger. He did not waver. He did not, well, one day yes, one day no. He didn't waver, but he stood steady upon the promise of God. See, he couldn't just stand steady within himself, the own internal fortitude. No, he had to stagger not, waver not at the promises of God. Has God given you a promise Don't waver. Hold on to it. Abraham got what he believed God for. And so can we. Amen? So Joshua and Caleb believed God and got what was promised to them. They got their inheritance and they got their possession. And so can we do the same thing. Now, um, Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 1.3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith grows, how? Exceedingly. And the charity and love of every one of you all toward each other abounds. Uh, I like what one translation says, that your faith is greatly enlarged. But your faith grows exceedingly. Now, as a leader, your faith has to grow. You cannot live in yesterday's revelation. Your faith has to grow. If you're going to be a spiritual leader, if you're going to be a leader of any kind and you're a child of God... You've got to get your faith enlarged by how? How, how does your faith get enlarged? We talked about it already. You have to get in the scriptures. See, everything points us to that, folks. You've got to live by the book. Amen? Your faith has to grow, and faith grows by feeding on the Word of God. It's just like your natural body. Just think about it, you know. We're born into this world, and we have to have physical nourishment in order to grow and you have to have it throughout your life Well, your spiritual life is the same way you start out you're born again you're a babe in christ and you have to have the milk of the word and then you go from the milk and then finally you get as you grow 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 you get to where you receive what the meat of the word what is the meat of the word the meat of the word uh is kind of uh let me describe it this way Uh, maybe where it's just it's a little bit harder to chew it's a little bit harder to receive it's not just you know so easy and i won't want to say fluffy because i don't think any of the word is that way but but it's stronger and it becomes a little more difficult maybe to even receive it but see that's the meat And when you get to the place to where you hear something and you receive it instead of getting offended, then you can grow and you can receive the meat. You know, honestly, I get people that do this to me all the time, and they do it to Eddie too because I hear them say, well, did did so-and-so tell you something? Because, see, we say something that addresses an issue that's going on in their life, and a lot of people think we know it. And then you can get offended at us because you think we're preaching at you. You know, where it's God and it's the meat of the word, maybe for you. It's a little hard to chew, but you better chew it and swallow it because it's what you need to grow. You know, if you're, when I was growing up, there were certain things I just could not eat. Now, they were good for me and they were vegetables, and I remember. I was probably in the first or second grade. I go to the lunchroom, and they have on my plate, they have peas and rice and whatever, chicken or whatever. And I couldn't eat rice, and I couldn't eat peas. Now, and you say, well, you're just being picky. No, it was I couldn't eat them because something would happen if I did. And, you know, so the teacher said, now you, I remember Miss Rose. I've told you stories about Miss Rose. She was a midget. And, you know, when I would start laughing and she would come and shake me and shake me, you know. Shut up! (laughs) And I'd just laugh, you know. and Not trying to be mean, I just would get tickled when she would start that, you know. (laughs) Well, okay, so we go to the lunchroom. Okay, today we've got peas and rice and chicken. And you've got to taste. Now, just taste. You don't have to eat it all, but you have to taste your rice and you have to taste your peas. Okay, I said, but I can't. You don't want me to do that. (laughs) Yes, you're going to. All right, I'm going to be obedient. So I take a bite, and it doesn't take long, and here it comes back out. (laughs) You see, it was hard for me to eat that at that time. Now I can eat peas and rice, and I don't have that problem, thank God, (laughs) because I've grown And I've developed a taste for eating things. You see, but that's the way we are sometimes in the kingdom of God as his children. Now, here it is. I'm feeding you tonight. Take a bite. And you might just spit it back out. But there'll come a time when you can take it and eat it and it'll cause growth. Amen? So we don't get mad at the babies. They didn't get mad at me that day and kick me out of school. They did have a mess, and it did take a while, and they were, all the other kids were not happy. <laughs> oh, amen. So your faith has to grow. And I'm going to tell you, you, if your faith is to grow and develop and be what it needs to be, you need to associate with people of faith that have great faith. You need to associate with people who have great faith. Man, if you can find somebody who's a faith-filled person, don't you like to be around them? It's just like Joshua and Caleb that we've been reading about. I mean, you know, you just get built up. They have faith and, and just like the ten spies had unbelief and doubt and it was contagious. Faith is contagious too. You can take a situation that is going downhill fast and begin to speak the right thing and begin to be a person of faith and you can change things. You can change a whole attitude in a room. You can change your attitude in a group if you'll just begin to speak the right thing. Words of faith and, and live a life of great faith. Amen? You know, I could say just a lot of other things, but I think that's all I'm going to say tonight. Because I believe that I've gotten my point across, and that is, if you are going to uh, be a good leader, you've got to be, have the qualities of faith and a positive outlook and whatever you're dealing with, with life, with people, you got to believe the best about people. You got to see, you got to see something special in every person. Instead of seeing, well, you know, they can't do this and they don't do that and they should do this. You know, we, we need to, we need to look for the seed that's in people that God has placed there. is so precious, and, and and there's such potential in that. Amen. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Let's just thank the Lord for faith. Father, tonight we thank you that you give us faith, Lord. Just like a grain of mustard seed, you plant that faith. Every one of us has faith tonight to believe you. Lord, help us to stir ourselves to believe you and not be doubters and unbelievers, Lord. Help us to look at things in the way that you see them. Lord, help us to have an eye of faith. I pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, help us to change our world. Help us to change our situation by putting our faith and trust in you, Lord God. Father, in this room tonight, there's many people facing many things. And faith can move those mountains, those obstacles that stand before them. And I pray, Lord, that they take heart tonight, that they rise up, and conquer and overcome and receive victory in this world through faith, Lord Jesus. I I, I just sense tonight, Lord, you're you're strengthening our faith. Just like a rod, steel rod in our spirits, Lord, you're strengthening. You're going to help us to stand taller and stronger